When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hello, this is Kathy, and I'm here with my friend Graham. Hello! Hi, Graham! And you are listening to The Cinema, the podcast where my husband Dave and I walk home from the movies. But I'm not with Dave today, I'm with Graham, and we're going to see Last Christmas. Yes, we are. And we've heard lots of bad things about <laughs> it. Lots of bad things. Um, so I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either, because <laughs> I think it's going to be good. I have expectations that are high, but, yeah. you know... I'm happy to eviscerate as well as to, you know, celebrate, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and you suggested this movie, right? Yes. Why? Yes. Well... I don't often go to the cinema, and I'm a massive lover of Christmas. And Emma, Dame Emma Thompson, for goodness sake. Yeah, she wrote the story. Yeah, so, I mean, let's give it a go. Yeah. I'm quite into the schmaltzy, the sentimental. I'm not afraid to get involved in the Christmas spirit. Um, and also, I don't... I really quite like a really bad movie. Yeah, so do so I. So I think on both levels it's going to work. But I think... I know there's been a lot of bad criticism, and I've tried not to read it to keep myself clear. Though I couldn't help but read the Guardian review that trashed it, which Natch. we both enjoy sharing. Um, but yeah, I think often this is a genre that can be discredited, particularly by male film critics. You know, yeah. people can treat it harshly. Anything so. that's even like emotional or sentimental, I think you can, there's a tendency to think this is just rubbish by definition. Yeah, and for women. But I also think the problem with this one is very specifically it's drawing parallels to Love Actually, which right. is because of Love, uh, Emma Thompson. Of course. I mean, it could be a very worthy thing. It I mean, I also be. hear that it's not as celebratory as perhaps it sounds. Ooh. It's quite sad, and someone said, take your tissues. Oh, God, okay. Yeah, that was Sophie who yes. was um, So, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, they have Paul Feig, who did Bridesmaids, mm-hmm. directing it, which is odd to me. Emma Thompson stars and co-wrote the story. Yep. And then you've got the love interest from Crazy Rich Asians, whose name I don't remember, Henry something. Mm. And then you've got Amelia Clark. 
And then you got the music of George Michael. Yes. So, have you seen the trailer for this? Yes. I haven't. Yes. Um, so I'm wondering... I've also heard the new song. Oh, there's a new song? Okay, heard, don't tell me. Yeah, there's a new George Michael song. A new George Michael song? I think it, obviously he didn't record it after his death. But yeah. uh, it was found in the archives or something, and so they've released it specifically for this film. Oh, God. That's a bit weird. That's like when they, they're now, you know, the way they're using dead actors to yeah. act like James Dean's going to be Maybe, maybe George movie. Michael will be in it, then who knows? Oh, God. And I haven't seen the... Um, I haven't seen a trailer for it, but I'm hoping the plot is actually Last Christmas. I gave you my heart. Yeah, I hope mm. that's the plot. Well, if there's a ski lodge, I'll be happy. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yes. Um, all right, okay, we're going to go to the cinema now. And we're back, actually, in Richmond, where the cinema began. Very nice place. Yeah, about the first, probably at least 50 episodes of our podcast were recorded here, so I'm feeling very nostalgic. Graham, you'll notice they've got signposts everywhere marking where the cinema began. Of course, blue yeah. plaques, brown <laughs> plaques, you name it. Um, all right, okay, bye. Bye. Last Christmas. Here we are. It's a bit where you murder me. So what is it that you do? I sing. Oh, it's amazing. Anyway, boring, boring, boring. I'm not bored. You are so strange. <laughs> where are you going? We're in there. Well, you're not homeless. No, I volunteer. <laughs> Why didn't you just get Saint tattooed on your forehead? You were great at your job when you started, but now it's like you don't care anymore. Hi. Oh, hi. Hi. Can I help? I'm a mess. I was really sick and I nearly died. I don't tell people because they get weird. But I don't think you'll get weird. No. I'm just scared all the time. They just expect me to be normal. I get on with life. There's no such thing as normal. Just being a human being is hard. Oh my god. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, so... For the first two thirds, I was like, okay, this is really bad. Like, this is one of the worst movies I've seen in years. And then the last act happened. And I was like, oh my God, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm not averse to really crap films, but this was beyond. I mean, I'm the person who spent three days subtitling Christmas with the Cranks. And I think (laughs) I'd rather watch that again than watch that. What do you think, like, the top line thoughts on this and that before we get to spoiler street? Uh, Cloying. But incredibly unsubtle, um, sentimental to the point of nausea, not becoming of a dame. I'm quite disappointed in Dame Emma Thompson, I have to say. Yeah, I'm shocked. Yeah, it was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, it was like every single Christmas film cliche. They made a list and ticked them all off, Santa style. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was terrible. I mean, I don't know, understand why they thought it would be a good idea to make a George Michael themed Christmas film again which was just really shoehorning every last th- thing into the film it yeah. just wasn't successful the, the George Michael thing was you know Graham and I are both huge fans of Mum and Me by the way Graham more so than I that's how you integrate music into a film yeah. this is just playing George Michael songs it felt very much that they'd seen the success of jukebox musical films and thought oh I know let's make a George Michael one now that he's dead you know no really not good at all and it's interesting that you um that you say you think it, tick, it tried to take all the Christmas movie elements because I think it it actually didn't because for me a traditional Christmas movie 
you have a, a sense of time like you usually know at what point in the month of December it is you're building up to some sort of Christmas event you have a you have a it feels like it's set at Christmas this felt like it was just set in a Christmas novelty shop and could have taken place at any point in the year yeah. there was nothing exterior telling us it was Christmas that's a fair point because at one point in the film no spoilers you know there is an event that is in the lead up to Christmas and you think gosh I thought it was the time of year already yeah like the timeline made no sense because there were certain relationships and that felt like they were kind of progressing over a couple of months yes and then there was someone who was pregnant who then suddenly had a baby so that <laughs> I couldn't make sense of the timeline <sighs> but really I felt like it and, and this is what shocks me because obviously we know Emma Thompson co-wrote the story and the script and mm. she is an Oscar winner this was one of the worst scripts I've seen in a long time double Oscar winner the only person I believe to win an Oscar for acting and writing you know for Sense and Sensibility showing the actor for, uh, they got Oscar for writing and this was dreadful yeah. every single cliche the dialogue was completely unbelievable dialogue was awful um, no one talks like that no I mean it was just absurd and the the dialogue was bad but the story well really bad <laughs> I, I'm not even sure I knew what the story was. I mean, it was grasping at some kind of plot, but it was just so bad. Really, really bad. And it was like, okay, I don't think it was any of the actors' faults, um, but, I mean, they were given nothing to do with, but there was no single good moment of acting either. They were brave and valiant. I mean, I think the star of the show was probably her expressive eyebrows, Emily Amelia Clark, because yeah. that was just overshadowing everything else. And when that's the, the summary that you take away, then that's not particularly a sign of a great film, is it? No, and it, and they really, and again, we're not on spoilers yet, but they really tried to do something at the end of the movie with um, like a big Christmas moment that in a movie like Love Actually, which it was clearly trying to ape in that moment, really brings loads of strands together and you feel you feel festive and you feel like this is warranted and you come on a journey with all these characters and you do I, this kind of thing I tend to cry at but this I was like what a cynical hack job it was the most self-congratulatory moment of the entire film it yeah. was as if, as if to say aren't we good isn't and this look, really worthy we've shoehorned last Christmas in again it was dreadful um, and to yeah we won't speak to the plot of the film because I don't want to actually um, spoil anything but and it's it's hard to speak to without the plot of the film, really. But but on a, on a mild note, I would say the two romantic leads had zero chemistry. Completely agree. Um, like brother and sister kind of level chemistry. Um, one of the worst performances I've ever seen from Emma Thompson, and I don't say that lightly because I love her. And I just watched her in um, actually just watched her in Late Night last week, which I thought she was impeccable in. She's a great actress, a really sensitive actress, yeah. and I think she did. I don't understand because she obviously wrote it. So like she stamped all over yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you can, there's a lot of her kind of humour if you watch her in interviews or whatever. There's quite the wry, you know, English arched eyebrow humour, but it just didn't translate to a script. It, no. I think the lack of plot was the really problematic thing here. I mean, I think it's interesting that she won the writing Oscar for Sensibility, so the story was already there. It was just, the, you know, the writing, as it were. Maybe that was the downfall. And she did it with her husband as well, didn't she? Which is... Did she? I don't Greg, know. Greg Wise was the co-writer. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, so, God. Yeah, I know. It was I very, very though. self-congratulatory. I don't ever, ever want to, like, trash a husband and wife duo, because, you know, I've lived well, by that. Um, <laughs> on brand. Yeah, oh, God. I have no problems trashing a husband and wife duo, <laughs> just, just for the sake of the record. I feel bad. I almost, like, when I was watching it, do you ever see someone do something really bad, like, if they're bad at a performer or they're bad at giving a presentation and you feel very empathetic and you cringe for them yes I was cringing watching this movie I was cringing but I had no empathy because it's, it was just so friggin' I mean I don't want to give any spoilers at this stage but it was got, so worthy they got it so wrong yeah. like, you've got Emma Thompson right? you've got Amelia Clark fresh off the back of um, the biggest TV show of all time yeah. you've got um, Henry whose surname I forget Golding maybe 
from uh, Crazy Rich Asians you've got Michelle Yeoh who plays his yeah. mom in, in Crazy Rich Asians oh, right. so to me it was quite stunt casting to have them both in it to be honest interesting um, and then obviously Emma Thompson the whole of actually thing so it just felt like it was just trying to ape it was trying to recapture something with that cast but like none of them worked together yes it was grasping very much for the whole you know Britishness and London particularly that you know London was probably one of the biggest characters in the movie almost and yeah. I mean I've never seen London looking as <laughs> beautiful as it did in that film you no. know it was festooned with lights everywhere it was it was just London in inverted commas it was very much chocolate box style and it was as well there was another thing that didn't quite make sense and again no spoilers but where somebody gets involved with a charity and they build up this huge uh, kind of family and like repertoire with all these people and oh no repartee yeah yeah with all these people and this big event happens and they're all like best friends and they they raise all this money and I'm like wait is this taking place over like (laughs) a week like I didn't understand oh god um but I think we can't talk about this movie without going to spoiler street really let's do it um so don't listen to spoiler street okay if you've not seen this movie because there's a massive spoiler coming um Okay, so you've been duly warned. Um, right before the third act happened, I actually turned to Graham, there's nobody near us, and said, why is this called Last Christmas? Yeah. Um, oh, and then, turns out what they did is they took the song Last Christmas and they said, hmm, what's the chorus? Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. <laughs> How could we make oh, that into a movie plot? Oh, yes. And earlier on in the movie, I swear to God, I had thought, is he a ghost? Because why does he only appear at night? And why is he so weird? Oh, God. Yeah, so the love interest was the ghost. Yes. Who? Can I give the full spoiler? Go. Go for it. The ghost of the person, the, the leading character, <laughs> Amelia Clark. She had a heart transplant in the year before, last Christmas. <laughs> and it. the ghost was the person whose heart was donated to save her life. <laughs> So it was the worst kind of trope. It's always because she's a bit of a disheveled, disreputable party animal, no no job, no home. It's, it's that classic trope of a man saving a woman from a, you know, a <laughs> life of disrepute. And in literal sense, so, I mean, it was just cloying on all levels. It was so... And a part of it made me think, oh, maybe that's why they've no chemistry, because he's, like, her benefactor, like, slash mentor. Yes. But, but then... <clears throat> the, I, the movie like when that happened I mean we were literally gasping and like clutching at each other like I cannot believe this is happening and then the movie's like okay we've dealt with that now she was haunted yeah and then oh now she's had that moment and she's her life's on, on track again <laughs> so much so at the end of the movie after the big performance she's had a haircut she's smartly dressed she's not she doesn't look as bad as she did yeah and it's, it's unbelievable it's just unbelievable as if her life's been changed by this by this man and it was just it was really lazy it was bizarre and then at the end they do this thing where they like out of nowhere right so bring everyone together who's been in the movie so for example um, her sister who is gay um, Amelia Clark outs her at the dinner table which is quite an obnoxious thing to do um, at the end the sister's just there with her girlfriend like all has been forgiven Yeah. even though presumably the parents were really homophobic or something she well that was the implication them. wasn't it yeah and then like every single person we've met throughout the course of the movie is at this big nativity homeless event including like the estate agent who showed her around an apartment. Oh yeah, the like, apartment of the man who died. Yeah, the, why the, is the he heart there? donor. Um, and so the guy who died turns out he died because he was like a bicycle courier. And he got run over, right? <laughs> now, uh, but I but how she finds out that he died is because she finds a year later his phone locked away in a kitchen cupboard, and he said his phone had been in a cupboard. Yeah. Now, what sort of a bicycle courier is driving around at night without a phone? Pick unpick the logistics. They get their jobs through phone apps. 
right? Yeah. So what's he doing cycling around with no phone? But also, let's not forget that he worked for the homeless charities while he volunteered to help people. And the, the whole speed at the end was about how our life only has meaning through helping others. And there was a tiny bit about Brexit she wanted in there as well. It was all very... And it was all over the unsubtle. place. Now, though, to be fair, I did appreciate at least the fact that in a mainstream movie they're trying to address racism in modern-day Britain. So I appreciated the sentiment, but not the execution. But there was an element... There's a moment in the film where... Um, the, one of the they work for the homeless charity. One of the homeless people was talking about how oh, it's a typical middle class girl trying to make good and you know, just doing her bit. That was like I think it was always meta in the sense of apolog- not apologising but justifying the film. You know, Emma Thompson <laughs> and Greg Wise are quite famously you know left wing, as am I. Um, but there was you know an element of saying yes, you know we are that kind of thing. This is what the film's about. It's about being slightly political with a small p being slightly anti-brexit being slightly more you know we should love each other more we should be more inclusive and then they really tried though to go against that uh, i think they were trying to go very much against the you know the richard curtis middle class thing because they were actually all quite working class the main characters are posited to be such like her parents were immigrants they lived in this tiny little two-bed house her dad was like a cabbie um but that's the thing you see i think because we know that emma thompson isn't working class and she's, you know, she's very quiet, you know, she's she's British English establishment. It felt it could feel a little patronising for her yeah. to adopt the character of someone who isn't that. And she was, like, playing someone who was, was she Croatian? Uh, I think former Yugoslav Republic, what? wasn't it? They'd been involved in the war and they had to migrate to the UK. Yeah, and I found it odd watching her, because you're so used to her doing the same accent. It was odd watching her with a different accent, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I was, the accent was fairly convincing for what it was. But it I was, just, yeah. It just felt it was very... Um, Formulaic almost, and it was an element of being patronised. Yeah, for um, sure. It's, but it's such, such a mess. Like, I'm struggling <laughs> with this chat to even kind of formulate. Like, normally I can formulate, you know, specific points I want to talk to on a movie. But this one, yeah, aside from it, and it blatantly didn't feel like it was set at Christmas, which I think is one of my biggest issues. It yeah. did not feel like a Christmas movie. It didn't feel evocative of Christmas. And I think in part it's because they were so busy shoehorning random George Michael songs in. Yeah that it just felt and it's frankly shame, bizarre because visually it was uh, like quite a Christmas assault you know there was so many decorations so many lights everywhere you turn I mean there was places decorated that would never be decorated yeah like this park in the middle of nowhere where all the druggies hang out <laughs> and then it was... Christmas pardon my language with Christmas lights everywhere it just doesn't work and also though because she worked in this Christmas shop all year round apparently for a while I thought it wasn't even Christmas I thought she was just working yes. there um, but yeah it didn't have it, it didn't feel festive and I wonder in part it's because it didn't have any Christmas music except for Last Christmas and then she did a couple of little bits when she was busking but even then I think we, we heard Last Christmas many many times but there was only one time we heard it in the original version and we heard it through you know she sang it at the end there was a an, an a, animatronic gibbon who sang it at one point which was they were trying so hard to make into a family friendly joke but ultimately just fell really flat also her boss you know this random subplot with this man who's very famous in Scandi drama he was you know Lars Mikkelsen in the Borgen which I absolutely love and he let himself play this dreadful one dimensional character who his only standing out point was the fact that he was obsessed with sauerkraut I mean that was was ridiculous weird and again they're the couple that I was like I don't understand the timeline of this relationship because they seem to be like in love by the end. I kind of felt like they were trying to ape the um, Colin Firth plot from Love Above Actually 
right. for him and that woman kind of fall in love and they can't speak the same language I don't know it was just it was <laughs> bizarre I didn't understand also with Amelia Clark's character why she worked in the shop like none of it made sense yes because she was uh, you know the, the typical aspiring actress aspiring performer and she got her moment on stage at the end you know but I was because it wasn't her doing it in the commercial sense it was her being altruistic and doing it for a benefit concert she got that moment but she found the motivation wasn't selfish yeah so it was that redemption through what her dream almost and she was quite awful for a while like the way she was using her friends and there was some odd elements in the movie as well that I don't know if it was like a joke but they were calling Tinder Swiper that was obviously probably trademarking it I don't think so though really? I think, I think can mention the name of a product in a movie so I don't I literally did not know why they were calling a swiper and I almost felt like it was like a bit of an out of touch joke that like Emma Thompson and her husband had written yeah well that's what I mean that's the whole thing you know these are two quite you know well on well off people trying to make a a film that resonates and it it just didn't it It, it fell flat in every way and the guy the guy from Crazy Rich Asians Henry Golding um, again don't quote me on that name he was so dull in this None of them had any formed characters. No. None of them, not one character was likable. Literally not one. No. And that's quite unusual and <laughs> it's, it's quite, quite an achievement in a way, isn't it, for goodness sake. And it's also like not only are they not likable, but they're not interesting. Like as an yeah. as a lead character, I didn't care to follow Amelia Clark. I didn't care about her journey. Yeah. I didn't care if she became a singer. She's also quite bratty, you know, she was rebelling ostensibly against her parents, but parents aren't that bad the parents you know. are fine they're yeah. like nice hardworking people fine her mum was a bit annoying yeah but that's it a bit annoying it's not as if she was mummy dearest do you think that it was a bit like OTT as well like they kind of throughout the movie they kept teasing to us that at various points Amelia Clark had been unwell and there's this big reveal and in the end all the reveal was and I am not diminishing a heart transplant in any way <laughs> but the big reveal was that she'd had a heart transplant I think I thought it was so. I thought it was going to be that she'd had some sort of breakdown. Or yeah. Or if she if she had cut something terminal and died at the end, I would have preferred that ending yeah. to be honest. <laughs> at least it would have felt neater. Did you ever see the movie? Um, it reminded me towards the end that had Minnie Driver and David Duchovny. No. And I think, but do not quote me on the name. It was called something like "Where the Heart Is." Oh, for goodness sake! And basically, sake. David Duchovny's wife had died. And uh, sorry, spoilers now for this David Duchovny Minnie Driver in a movie from the nineties and. Um, it could only be with those two stars. And he, he, his wife had died, right? And it was a couple of years later. And him and Minnie Driver fall in love. And then turns out that Minnie Driver had had a heart transplant from Naturally. his wife. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm watching like, a version. So even if that a version of this hackneyed story has already been done, with David Duchovny and Minnie Driver, <laughs> like I say, it's not befitting of a dame. I'm disappointed. No. I'm like, I, I really... I can't overstate this. I'm shocked Emma Thompson had anything to do with this movie. I don't understand it. I mean, I know that she's quite a politically aware person and she'd want to make a position about Brexit clear, even though it's quite clear anyway. Yeah. Her and position I think- about... I mean, it's also looking at the whole nature of Christmas movies about togetherness and embracing each other. And but you could do that in a good movie, though. You could do it. I'd rather she just wrote an essay, to be honest. Yeah. It would be more interesting and certainly more compelling than what we've just endured. And then it's like we haven't even... Um, just, this is bizarre to me. We haven't even discussed the fact that Paul Feig directed it. Mm-hmm. Director of Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. I I saw no directorial stamp on this. Like, this to me felt like it could have been written and directed by um, No Shade, I love the Hallmark Channel, but it, it <laughs> felt like... I think the reason I was like, this is one of the worst movies I've seen in years, or that I've ever seen, I meant in the cinema. Yeah. Like, it's a TV movie. It's been heavily promoted, heavily publicised, heavily trailed, and I don't really understand... Again, when I was a subtitle, I subtitled a film called A Carol Christmas with Tori Spelling playing a version of the Christmas Carol. Oh my God, I've seen that. Yeah. And I again, that. It was better than yeah. this because at least it was open in the fact that it was rubbish. Whereas yeah. this is, 
I just don't understand. I mean, someone obviously had, oh, I know, this is a great idea. Last Christmas I gave you my heart. <laughs> yeah, because apparently Emma Thompson saw like, permission from George Michael before he passed away and he agreed. And I'm like, I'm sure he didn't sign off on this script. <sighs> I mean, to say I want to use your, your songs to inspire a movie is one thing, but to put them in this is, like, disrespectful. Well, song. I mean, one song inspired the movie. Yeah. And the rest of them were just shoehorned in, weren't they? Yeah, didn't, they should have just used that song, frankly, and then just used standard Christmas music. Yeah. Yeah. It's a missed opportunity, I think. What else can we talk about? I feel like I've not. I can't even. Like the shock, the twist is so shocking when it happens. They literally do this. Like you shouldn't be listening past Spoiler Street, but I know some people do. <laughs> they do this whole montage where it's like, oh my god, remember every time we saw them together in the movie, he wasn't really there. And this bench they always see each other on. I was like, please don't let that bench have his name on it, and it did. Yeah. And then it was like, oh my god, last Christmas I gave you my heart. Is like we could not get this anymore. It was just truly mind-bogglingly bad. It also felt like it should have ended at least three times. You know, there was yeah. it, it was limping on and on. And you know, like, there was a very climatic performance. Also in the audience, as a cameo, there was two people that I don't know if you clocked. There was Andrew Ridgely singing who is, along, who's Wham, George Michael's musical partner. I was like, who are they zooming yes. in on? And there was man. also Greg Wise. Who is? Emma Thompson's wife and co-writer. Uh, Emma Thompson's husband, rather. Uh, I was wondering why. Yeah. Cause I, could, I was like, okay, they're zooming in on the estate agent, which I don't get. They're zooming in on... Some the clown people. that works outside the shop Amelia mm-hmm. Clark works in and again how did she rally the troops for this huge fundraiser within the space of like a week and she brought her family back together she managed to out her sister and embrace her girlfriend <laughs> and the family it's the Christmas miracle and like they all have this her, like like okay presuming and we don't quite know the date but presuming it was set from the 1st of December maybe uh, maybe end of November mm. Um in that space of time she's gone from absolutely loathing and despising her family to the point where she won't speak to them <laughs> to them all having this wonderful Christmas dinner together where they're like dancing and singing around the Christmas table yeah. as we say she's outed her sister and, and caused her sister's um, sexuality to be embraced by this reserved family she's brought her mum back to life by letting her organise this wonderful Christmas festivity it's like what? It's like so yeah. unearned and it just doesn't make any sense. No. Because it's never really clear what her background is, other than the fact she's had a heart transplant and she's a failed, aspiring musician. And there was that really weird scene, and I, I did get it after the twist, where she she goes back to her, uh, the love interest flat, and she kind of lies in his lap and just has a moan and cries about her life and her mm. heart. And I was like, is this, this feels very odd as a romantic scene. So I think they, they actually did so that actually it wasn't romantic yes because the their intimacy that they achieved was through him touching her scar which out of context yeah. is a little bit odd yeah but now I mean now that you know you can see it's the kind of meta thing and so maybe actually the fact that they didn't have chemistry at all was intentional but don't you think it encapsulates the whole film the fact that she's basically having a love affair with part of herself yeah. and the end of the film is so self-congratulatory you've got the yeah. writers of the film looking at the stage and yeah. Wow, didn't we do well? Yeah, it's you're just, right. It just encapsulates everything about the film. It's so worthy. It's so it's so funny because like we are prime, like like we'd watch any of this kind of shit. So the fact that we're like I was genuinely so excited bad. for this. Yeah, the first couple of minutes as well. As soon as the first couple of minutes, aired, oh, the right was on the oh, wall. Yeah, it, it was too often. Like when you've not a single good line of dialogue, you've got an annoying. <laughs> I hate I hate these heroines who are like, oh, I'm so klutzy, I'm so ditzy, I'm such a mess. Oh my god, I can't manage my life. 
and that's kind of where you're starting off from yeah. and it's all downhill from there this stupid scene where she like sleeps with the guy his girlfriend shows up the next day she gets kicked uh, out of the house her hair is wet she's not dressed properly it's like oh no yeah because not only does it bind to the whole redemption through man thing it's also the virgin hall complex yeah. which is really disappointing from Emma Thompson yeah it doesn't need to be like that no I would have preferred it if she'd stayed disheveled disheveled and disrepute I think it would have been much more entertaining yeah I mean stay you stay on swiper girl you know you're yeah. enjoying that app <laughs> and then she like leaves the door open of her shop and the uh, shop gets broken into blah 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 but blah, then blah. she gets a second chance anyway even though her boss has had to engineer a break-in to I save know. her ass <laughs> Um, it's such a lot of bo- uh, rubbish, pardon my language. Yeah, no, you could curse on this podcast. Oh, good, that's good. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, Graham's another friend who casually asked me to go to the cinema. I say, only if you come on my podcast, which he's never listened to. <laughs> well, it's like, no, I used to be my boss, you see, so it's like having the voice of my boss in my ear, which is <laughs> a little much. No, it's fun. When when I invite friends on, they always, like, more often than not, have not listened, which is quite funny. But I was saying to Cathy, I'm so glad that it was a film I disliked, because <laughs> it's so much more fun to eviscerate a film. <laughs> Uh, can you think like you know the way we had read the Guardian review last week and kind of had a bit of a laugh over it and we thought that they were just being a bit mean for the sake of being mean I think they were being generous though I remember it got one star oh I thought it got two or was it two yeah. okay I'd give it one yeah. because of the talent involved I think if this is as I said if this is a TV movie they've chucked it out for you know, if it was not a very TV on Boxing Day or something you'd yeah. expect something like this like the budget that must have gone into this like Amelia Clark must be really expensive Emma Thompson clearly would cost a fortune. The guy who's now been in Crazy Rich Asians, which is like the most successful rom-com of the decade, that's big money. Yeah, and there's a few of the, 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 the bit part characters, well-known actors as well, from the old days. Like a couple of the homeless guys were bit part oh, characters from the 80s and 90s. And they even had, you know, like Sue Perkins and Rob Delaney and like, you know, decent cameo. But, but their cameos were terrible as well. Sue Perkins was particularly bad. She was dreadful. Yeah, and again, I don't think it's... It's any of their fault. Peter Serafanovich as well. I mean, he played the, the Simon Cowell-style judge in the audition where she was late. Oh, I was trying to figure out I mean, he's out a really, really good actor, right? And he was really bad. Yeah, it's like... It's but you can't work with bad dialogue, can you? You know, if you're limited to what bad. the dialogue is, I guess. But the Paul Fake thing, it was so interesting because it's stamped all over the credits. This is a Paul Fake production, this is a Paul Fake movie. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I didn't see any of that because he's, like, he's a comedic director. Mm. Um, and there's, there was no comedy one thing that was quite startling because there was probably about 25 people in our audience there was no laughter yeah I can't remember anything that made me giggle laugh out loud what made us laugh was the twist we yeah, well, were laughing yes. at the twist <laughs> laughing but you at the could have heard a pin drop in the comedic comi- I say comedic with brackets there are inverted vertical comedy. that's it I mean it was this toy McGibbon yeah lol I yeah. mean come on there was no laughter um, you could have heard a pin drop in the cinema it's like quite something mm. uh, and, and I think do you know what this movie like you know the way when you make a movie or a song it's Christmas themed you just get in a rotation every year this movie doesn't deserve to be in that rotation no it really doesn't no, and but, on paper it should have been but there is such a gap in the market and it's something we talk about a lot in this podcast like in terms of romantic comedies and you know lower to mid budget movies that are relatively small stories family movies there is such a gap in the market that I can see this is meeting that need like we've gone to see it but I just wonder if it hadn't had Emma Thompson and Greg Wise attached to it it hadn't had Paul Feig attached to it how would, how would it have been picked up because it couldn't have been it was on paper the script alone is bad yeah so I'd say it was just commissioned purely because of the Emma Thompson yeah, yeah which is not the way it should work either, and that's probably why Amelia Clark would have signed up for the script because yeah. oh Emma Thompson wrote it sure star of course power, yeah. I'll, I'll start in a movie Emma Thompson wrote uh, and, I guess, and she plays my mom. yes yeah. hell yes <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then did you feel like... Did you watch Fleabag? I've seen a couple of episodes, yeah. The, it felt like the sister was them trying to kind of copy the sister in Fleabag as well. I can see what you mean. Yeah, so it was all a bit... Um, Everyone was very much 
so derivative. Reminded me of someone else. Yeah. The whole thing was derivative. Not done as well. No. Um, mm. But yeah, astounded. I really want people to tell us what they thought of the twist. And it's funny that um, Sophie, we work with, said, oh, bring tissues. Because I cried anything and I was like a stone face. No, I would cry, uh, you know, an Argos advert, <laughs> literally. And this was not moving me at all. No, and I found it quite sickly at the end, really. I just thought you were just overtly trying to manipulate us yeah. to cry. I mean, we, whole, we always knew the end would be some kind of ensemble piece. That was, that was clear. But to have it with that twist... Yeah, it just twist. didn't work for me at all. The twist was like a, was a B movie twist. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean with an A list cast. Yeah, yeah. Emma um, Thompson in Hallmark movies last Christmas. But it was funny because while the, I was getting the longer the movie went on, because it said it was set in 2017, which I think That's they right. did deliberately to mislead us. Because then, of course, I thought it was going to be Christmas 2018 or 19, and they'd be looking back to last Christmas. So as the movie went on and on and on, I was genuinely like but when are they going to skip to next Christmas mm. so I don't know if they did that to like make make it I think also yeah because as well at the start of the film they were talking as if George Michael was still alive and yeah. I can't remember when he died it was it was around Christmas time it was Boxing Day I think oh maybe that's why they said it then yeah I think it was either 2016 or 2017 yeah so that was all just just frankly bizarre so I yeah I literally spent half the movie going but why is it still this Christmas and why is this Christmas taking I mean, eight weeks you know last Christmas I gave you my heart it's a great song but if you want to make a Christmas film out of it you honestly anyone could do a better job yeah. than that to go with the most obvious like I know we'll give him a heart transplant yeah and when it happened it was like <laughs> dear god like because earlier on I thought could he be a ghost and then I thought well obviously not because this is not a shit movie like it's not that shit a movie um, au contraire yeah, anyway, Graham, thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure, it's been fun. Um, you're going to have to listen to the podcast now you've been on it. I can't listen to my own voice, <laughs> and I'm apologies to everyone who's enjoyed it today. Well, I tell you where you could find the cinema if you were interested in looking that for it. That would be it. nice. You could find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Cinema. Uh, you could subscribe to us on iTunes, and you could even leave us a five-star review. But are you on Swiper? We are on Swiper, yeah. I think so. Um, so you can find us there too. Um, and thank you for everyone who listened, who enjoyed the movie. Um, and if you are interested in supporting a really good Christmas campaign um, Dave and I are donating all of our December Patreon contributions to Action for Children which is a wonderful charity so if you sign up to our Patreon which is patreon.com forward slash the cinema um, before the end of November your December, December contribution will go straight to Action for Children which is a wonderful charity and then you can cancel before the end of December not pay us any more money and your money will have gone to charity you'll have received access to over 20 bonus episodes of film and TV reviews and your money will have gone to a good cause. Uh, Graham, thanks very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Deck the halls with bells of holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Oh boy. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Jesse Cruikshank, and I've always been told I have a face for podcasting. So I launched a podcast. It's called Phone a Friend because each week I'll break down the biggest stories in pop culture. But when I have questions, I get to phone a friend. I'll phone a royal watcher to find out why Prince Harry is acting like a real housewife. I'll phone a tween to please explain euphoria. And maybe I'll even phone a Backstreet Boy to find out if I still have a chance. I don't? Okay. New episodes drop every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.